This episode of Sundays with Kate is sponsored by Payoff.com. You've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new saving technique, you need a clear pass out of debt, and that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from Payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a Payoff loan may also include potential credit score boost, one monthly payment and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com/sundayswithkate to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com/sundayswithkate. What you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh, I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica, meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Mortada El Fadl. Welcome to Sundays with Kate, the podcast series about the films of Kate Blanchett. This is your host, Mortada El Fadl. Every week, we choose a Kate Blanchett film and we talk about it with a guest. We have discussed Elizabeth before, but it was such an important movie in Kate's career that I thought more discussion. Why not? And I'm very excited to have my guest for this episode, Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. Hello. Hi. Thank you um, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm very excited to have you. You're I'm a huge fan of your videos on your YouTube channel Be Kind Rewind because you dissect best actress in a way that brings, you know, the historical context but also all awards um and the intersection with race and with gender. So I thought it would be a good conversation to talk to you about the 1998 Oscars where Kate was nominated for Elizabeth but Gwyneth Paltrow won for Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. Um so first is just general impression about Kate Blanchett. I know she's one of the actresses featured on your banner on the channel. Yeah, and that is for a reason. Um I absolutely love Kate Blanchett, which I mean I haven't talked about her much on the channel before. Um just sort of I guess only in this video and a little bit in my most recent video about Mrs. America. But uh she's just absolutely one of my favorites. So I would say that my overall impressions are quite positive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I think we're going to have a lot of fun cuz Kate is absolutely my favorite actor and um which is why I have this podcast. Uh, was Elizabeth the first time you saw Kate or do you remember the first movie you saw her in? The first movie I must have seen her in was probably Lord of the Rings um cuz I think that I must have seen that when I was like 10 when it came out. Mm. So I was probably too young at that point to have actually seen Elizabeth or talented Mr. Ripley in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um but I probably I feel like I've always known about her because I've read entertainment news for so long. Um and she would have been in Entertainment Weekly and all those things like before Lord of the Rings, most likely. So, yeah, I just feel like she's just been around in my consciousness forever. Um, my first impression of her was Elizabeth. And I was like, I didn't know anything about her when I saw this movie. And I was just flabbergasted. I'm like, who is this? Um, yeah. And since then, I've just, she's been my favorite since I, since that day. <laughs> 
You're an OG fan. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about Elizabeth, the movie itself. So Elizabeth is directed by Shekhar Kapoor. It is about Elizabeth I. It was released in 1998. And the movie starts at the end of the reign of Queen Mary, who was Elizabeth's older half-sister. And Elizabeth is introduced as a teenager. Um, I think she's 16 at the beginning of the movie. And the movie charts her journey from that young girl to becoming a monarch, to becoming a stateswoman. Until the end, she is revealed to be the Elizabeth that we know from the legend of Elizabeth I with the white makeup and the short red hair. So it's a complete transformative performance. Um, And it's also one of those big, huge movies where... Every scene is about the character. So it's called Elizabeth for a reason. Even Mm -hmm. in the scenes that she's not in, people are mostly talking about her or about her kingdom. So no wonder, like, she made such a huge impression with that role and that performance. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't watched this movie in a long time, like, but then watching it for this one, it was good to revisit it. Cause I feel like I've seen this less than its sequel, the the golden age. I feel like that's the one that's talked about a little bit more often. Although I do think this movie is better than the golden age. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. But that one has like the line that has the, that has the hurricane. Oh, I have a hurricane. In me. You will leave my presence, sir. Go back to your rat hole. Tell Philip, I fear neither him, nor his priests, nor his armies. Tell him if he wants to shake his little fist at us, we're ready to give him such a bite he'll wish he'd kept his hands in his pockets. You see a leaf fall, and you think you know which way the wind blows. Well, there is a wind coming, madam, that will sweep away your pride. It's just so classic. It is classic. And it is, I have to say, I don't like the movie, but I have played that video on YouTube so many times, that clip of her saying, I have a hurricane in me. It's great. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I wanted to ask you, when this movie came out, and if you read some of the reviews about it, like the first thing that people talked about is that this was a new way of presenting British history. It was violent. It was sexy. It was visceral. Um, it was definitely very bloody. Shaker Kabur is known for his movie that he made before that was Bandit Queen, which is a movie he made in India. And that's why he got this job. And so with the passage of time, we've seen the Elizabeth story so many times. Do you think the film still retains that sort of visceral feeling that it might have had in 1998? Or is it now just a story we've seen before? Um, it's kind of funny that you say that because I felt, I felt like I was watching something that was a little exhausting because that story has been done so many times. Like it just ever after having seen Mary Queen of Scots very recently, for example, I was just like, oh man, here we go again with these two. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I can definitely imagine if you are an Oscar voter who's obsessed with like man for all seasons or you know, British dramas that kind of are very stoic and almost sexless. Um, I can imagine how that would have been a little bit refreshing to see that. I don't think it holds up as a refreshing take mm-hmm. on the Elizabeth story. I mean, now we have like the Tudors and things like that, which are basically just like literally milking King Henry VIII for like liking sex. So like <laughs> the TV show, like that's the plot. So um yeah, I, I don't think it's revolutionary anymore if it was considered that way then. But maybe those are the shoulders that those kinds of shows can stand on, basically. Yeah. I mean, literally, when you say milking this story, Michael Hurst, who wrote Elizabeth, was the showrunner on The Tudor. So there you yeah. go. 
<laughs> for Mary Queen of Scots, I don't think it, it's not the writer or director, but the producers are the same who produced Elizabeth mm. and Mary Queen of Scots, and the costume designer Alexandria Byrne and the makeup Jenny Shirker. They did both movies, so basically the producers hide everybody behind the scenes who worked right. on Elizabeth wow. twenty years later for Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. So I guess my exhaustion was a little merit or warranted then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But let's talk about Kate a little bit. So this performance was very well received. Um, it was thought of as, as the arrival of a major star. And you can see subsequently that she had the big career that everybody said she was going to have. She had mm -hmm. a few years where she was out in the wilderness, where she got a lot of movies, but none of them really worked. But in the end, the career that was promised with this performance, she has delivered. And I think part of it is um, when we talked about Elizabeth before, we talked a little bit about, is it the performance or is it the role? Because, you know, like I said before, the, it's a movie that's about her. Everybody talks about her. The, it's a huge sort of character arc that, you know, and you would be an expert in that Ed, for Best Actress, not a lot of actresses get every year. Like this was somebody, you know, she played somebody from 17 to around, uh, I would say about 40, maybe somewhere in her 30s. It's the time is not very clear, but it's definitely a decade or more. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, she plays somebody at the beginning. She's in love. She's very young. She's innocent. She becomes a monarch. She charts this journey of like, she's learning to lead, but also, you know, there are hiccups on the way she loses. She gains. She becomes cunning. And in the end, you know, she's almost a deity. So it's definitely a huge, huge role. And Kate is great and amazing in it. But do you think it's, the role or the performance that sort of announced her arrival? You know, I think it's a little bit of both because you're totally right. The, the range of emotion and the time span that she gets to work with is incredible and not very many actors get to work with that kind of material. But I also think you could imagine like a lesser actor not doing it quite as well. Um, I think the way that she kind of carries her body like you can you feel like she has aged literally not so much that you know the the wig is different or that like the makeup is different you you feel like a burden on her body and the way she emotes her her face mm -hmm. um and i i don't think you can like write that or direct that that has to come from her and uh so i definitely think there's a special something that she can add to, to something like that but of course you have to have the opportunity to do it. So, I really think it's a it's a great performance, and I love a lot of moments in it. So I know we talked about the hurricane, and there is no hurricane scene, but there are a lot of scenes that I think sort of show us this character arc that she's on. One of the scenes very early on that sort of made me just snap and stand and look at her. This is obviously I don't remember it from way back then, but just. <laughs> when I was watching it this week to talk to you very <laughs> early on when she's arrested by Queen Mary and her henchmen. And she's, it's a scene that's very uncomfortable, very claustrophobic. She, she's in the tower of London. It's dark. There's like six men surrounding her very ominously. And they're just asking her a question, trying to get her to, mm. you know, say that she is a traitor when she's not. And Kate vacillates between fear and trying to hold it together while also trying not to show them that she's afraid. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of things that she has to do in that scene. I cannot confess to something I did not do. Denials are all in vain. You of the rebellion, madam, you are party to it. It is plain enough. Where is your proof? It was to your advantage. You must let me see the queen. I you must, despise I the queen and the Catholic faith. I am a true and faithful subject. I attend mass. You pretend, but in your heart. Speak up! Why we must tear ourselves apart for this small question of religion. Catholic or Protestant. You think it's small, though it killed your mother? We all believe in God, my lords. 
there are a lot of scenes like that actually where she just kind of has to like fake composure as she's sort of becoming this monarch I was thinking about the scene where she's sort of like practicing her speech before she goes and talks to the whole group of men I guess in the government and um, uh, how she how unsure she seems and like how kind of like frantic and like kind of like literally an actor preparing to go on stage for the first time or something and then when she gets there uh she's totally in control of the room and i like a lot of times i think movies try to sell us that a person is in control of a room like you just have to buy it for the plot to work and often that person isn't really in control like a supporting actor is like stealing all the energy out of the room or something like that but in these scenes where she plays Elizabeth, she is in control and your eye goes to her because of her pride and dignity, as opposed to just like, she's in different makeup or she's the only woman. It's not that at all. I think it's because of the energy that she has as a, like playing a leader. What I liked about that scene is that they show her first preparing to go. And then the actual scene comes after where she's talking to the bishops. And there is a huge difference, I think, between being unsure and while she's preparing and sort of she stops and starts. And then the sort of humor and confidence that she brings in the next scene. And so I love that sort of contrast between those two um, conditions. It really shows her range in a very short amount of screen time. Totally. A very funny scene is earlier on, she has a scene with Kathy Burke, who's an actor I love. And Kathy Burke is playing um, Queen Mary. (laughs) And she's trying to get her also to say that she's a traitor and whatever. And one of the lines that she says to her is, I see you're a consummate actress. I see you are still a consummate actress. I know, I literally paused the, the movie when, I, when she said that and laughed. She was like, yeah. I said it. Good job. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, I love that when, when a movie sort of meta comments on itself. I mean, I don't think they were doing that, but now knowing Kate Blanchett, yeah. the Kate Blanchett that she is, she's definitely a consummate actress. Yes, definitely. You're, yes. <laughs> A lot of the plot of this movie is about who's going to il- marry Elizabeth or who will she choose to marry. So the King of Spain, who is married to her sister, offers his hand. Mary of Guise sends her nephew as a potential suitor. And of course, Elizabeth is um, in love with Robert Dudley and has an affair with him. Although suddenly in the middle of the movie, out of nowhere, we learn that he is married. So. <laughs> So Elizabeth is known in history for sort of using the fact that she's a virgin or that she's not married as a political weapon. And basically this movie shows us like how it all started. And I sort of loved those machinations. But what did you think of that? And what do you think of Kate with Joseph Fiennes as Robert Dudley? So one of the things I find really interesting about Elizabeth as like a character, not a character, I mean, she's real, but as a person who's constantly revisited in film and TV and stuff like that is that this is always the thing that they talk about. Like (laughs) it's people like to explore like this female leader for like the one thing she is famous for not doing. Like men like to talk about that. She is famously not having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always feel a little disconnected from that end of the plot a little bit because it feels very worn to me and it's always like this kind of speculative thing about history that I'm just like oh god okay um so in that sense I think I think I was like sort of predetermined not to be as interested in like her and um Joseph Fine's relationship in this movie I just am not um connected to it very much but I yeah but I think it's very interesting how like that becomes such, that is the story, basically. The punchline of this movie is, I'm a virgin. I think it's interesting that it's part of her like metamorphosis, literally, like coming out of the cocoon as this painted lady <laughs> who is not a painted lady. Yeah. I wasn't actually in love with Joseph Fiennes or that that was the center of the movie for a lot of its running time. Because I was more interested in Elizabeth as a stateswoman. Like the scene we were just talking about was the bishops and the preparation. Those were more exciting to me. But I I think the film spends a lot of time in this 
love story with Robert and his betrayal and we go back and it's like it, they make it to what you were saying, the focus when I don't think it needed that. And one of the things that I have found doing this podcast about Blanchett and just talking to different people about her is that she is never as compelling in love stories as she is, with the exception of Carol, as she is in other movies or playing different emotions. And she's not as compelling with men, particularly. Like, even in something like Benjamin Button, where she has a big movie star, Brad Pitt. Um, yeah. They, they have chemistry, but also that's not what the movie's about. That's not what's interesting about her performance. So I think it even shows very early on here when she's doing Elizabeth is that maybe as an actor, as a person, she's just, that's not what interests her. That's not what sparks her interest. And then you can see that repeated in her career. Yeah. And I was about to honestly say that, but then I was like, I'm not sure if this is weird, but I'm honestly just not interested in seeing Kate Blanchett with men anymore. Like after Carol and kind of like, Ocean's Eight. like, I don't, I don't need it. Yeah. And so like watching this, I was kind of like, oh no, but yeah, I totally think you're right. And I think part of that is because she is so powerful. Like it's really hard to match her she's always going to be the attention because she's like so, so stately mm -hmm. and her voice is kind of like deep and commanding naturally. So it's kind of hard to put someone up against her as like a romantic match that doesn't feel mismatched a little bit. Yeah, totally. I agree. And you can, you can see it in, in her career and she, you know, like Ocean's Eight's a perfect example of just like, she sparks when she is around a lot of women. Obviously, mm -hmm. Carol is the obvious example. And even in something like Mrs. America, where she's mostly, which is what we're watching these days, she's mostly surrounded by 99% women. And mm -hmm. you can see that, you know, she's more compelling. <laughs> Definitely. I agree. Why will you not see me? You must let me explain. Others will take advantage of this. You must not believe what they tell you. They are jealous and envious because I am nothing to them and everything to you. Do you love her? No, I love you. I have always loved you. I was afraid of losing you because I was not free. For God's sake, you are still my Elizabeth. I am not your Elizabeth. I am no man's Elizabeth. And if you think to rule, you are mistaken. I will have one mistress here and no master. So we mentioned the finale is after basically Robert Dudley betrays her along with a lot of other people. She kills most of them, but she keeps him alive so that to remind her of how close she came, that's what she says, to remind her of how close she came to losing it all. And she transforms between her eyes into a, in a long scene to the iconic image of Elizabeth. They, we see them making the white makeup and putting it on her and cutting her hair. She goes out and she's like, behold. And then she says the line of, I'm a virgin. <laughs> so <laughs> at that time when I saw this movie for the first time, I was so entrapped by this. And I was like, you know, I was really young. I I knew just a little bit about Elizabeth. And this was the first Elizabeth that I've ever seen. And I was like, wow, this is how it happened. And it is very compelling the way that it's filmed and the way that Kate delivers all this. Do you, do you find it compelling or? I do and I don't. Okay. Because part of me thinks this is actually hilarious. Like, do we actually think... <laughs> Elizabeth one day was just like, I'm getting a makeover <laughs> and like announced herself like it was a reality show to her court like that. Like, no. So in that way, it was a little ridiculous. But at the same time, I also love it because it was is appropriately dramatic for what this the movie is trying to say. This whole metamorphosis of her becoming the Virgin Queen, like what an exclamation point at the end of that movie. So yes, I, I love it. She looks beautiful. The costumes is are beautiful. Like I can't complain, but it's it, also very funny. It works. It's it just works as a piece of cinema. Like you're there, you're entrapped, you're just watching, you're enjoying it. You're just you can't help but be 
Fla- yeah, like I think the best word for that is just flabbergasted by this yeah. sort of woman becoming this icon that we know right and in front of your Jeffrey eyes. Rush, yeah, Jeffrey Rush is like kind of like crying a little, and <laughs> you're like, wow, same. <laughs> yes. So we talked a little bit about Joseph Fiennes. We talked about, you just brought up Jeffrey Rush. Are there any other performances that you liked in this movie besides Kate? Yeah, um, I really loved Kathy Burke. Mm-hmm. She was great. She she felt like appropriately sweaty. I don't know how to <laughs> better say that. But she's like very chaotic and ill. Um, she really hit that nail on the head. Loved that. Yes, I... I really loved Kathy Burke, too. And the other actor that I really loved is Christopher Esselton, who plays the Duke of Norfolk. And when I was doing my research about this film, one of the things that people were talking about in the casting is with these sort of British history masterpiece theater movies before then, you always would hire very posh actors. And both Mm -hmm. Kathy Burke and Christopher Eccleton are known to being working class actors. And so Shaker Kabur, who's Indian, you know, did not have these qualms and he just cast who he wanted. And I think the energy that both those actors bring to the movie is like, you know, Christopher is just walking around and every time he walks around in this movie, I'm just excited because he's determinedly walking. And Cassie brings this vulnerability, but also just to what you were, you termed sweaty is just something you don't see in this movie in the movie yeah. like this at all yeah and I also I mean when I think about what the royal family was actually probably like <laughs> given that, that there's just like no health care and they were inbreeding for centuries like these people were probably a mess yes. and so I like the idea of them um just kind of being a little more realistic about that <laughs> and not making these people seem like they're gorgeous, strapping, posh people. I have become a virgin. Observe, Lord Burley. I am married to England. Elizabeth does not have a very memorable scene like the one from the golden age i have a hurricane in me but we've talked about several scenes where we thought kate was great and so there is the scene where she's surrounded in the tower at the beginning her scene with cassie burke her scene preparing and delivering the speech to the bishops and the finale where she announces her virginity basically um so which scene do you think like if you were to tell somebody to see just a clip from Elizabeth. Which one of these would you choose? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like the last one where she announces her virginity is like a good scene, but it also it, she doesn't have a lot to do. They're kind of just like making her over. So I don't know that I would pick that one. The one I would maybe show them is after the failed invasion of Scotland. I think where she like, she kind of charges through the hall and like her, she screams and it like fills up the entire room. And then she goes and I think she has a conversation with Jeffrey rush. Yeah. And I think that's the first moment where she is like, she's maturing very quickly. She realizes the responsibility that she has I think that sort of sets her on this path of really taking her job seriously. Because before that, it was only like, oh, I kind of accidentally became queen. And then we have a party and I like get to hang out with my boy toy a little bit. But after that, it's like, it's very real. And I love kind of how quickly she can shift gears like that in that scene. And that's the scene where she questions why they sent boys to war, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's great in that scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good yeah. one. So we talked about how Elizabeth is a part that people just keep making this story. So, you know, Betty Davis played her, Glenda Jackson played her, Margot Robbie recently, Helen Mirren did a TV series. And it's because, you know, Elizabeth I is a big historical character. Why do you think people keep going back to her? I think it's a really nice way to combine, like, the high stakes of being a leader and like the very real wars and things that she was going through with romance. It's just like very flashy 
And there's a lot of ways to be kind of speculative about it and make romance the center of this like very high stakes backdrop. Um, Yeah. So it's just, it's a good venue for someone who wants to like go around and shout at men and look kind of cool in a costume. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) absolutely. For me, I'm not a person who's super into costume dramas. Um, That's just never been my favorite kind of thing. And like, I guess a good example of that is how much whispering there is about murder. Like I just can't do it. So (laughs) half of this movie was um, people being like, Oh, what if I die? Which I thought was, you know, that's kind of, not as particularly compelling to me, but I will say like, I've seen this one maybe three times and I've seen the sequel probably more than that. And I think it's a testament to Kate's charisma as an actress that I want to return to these stories because ordinarily I probably wouldn't, but I think that she's just such a fascinating person to play a leader like that. And I think she makes it worth it. Yeah, it's so funny. I was just watching this interview she did on Instagram with W Magazine, and they asked her, is there a role that you want to return to? And she's like, I feel that Shaker Kapoor and I are not done with Elizabeth. And I was like, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, she wants number three, I guess. She told this story about how he told her that in... Before she died, Elizabeth stood for 14 hours straight to prove some point. Not sure the you know, the details of what she was saying, but something like that. And she's like, she keeps thinking about that. So maybe she it's going to happen. Yeah, she's in shape. She can do it. <laughs> yes. We will be back in a moment to discuss the 1998 Oscar for Best Actress and Kate's first nomination. Don't miss the four episodes in which we reviewed and recapped Mrs. America, the TV miniseries about the fight to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment in the 1970s, created by Davi Waller and starring Kate Blanchett as Phyllis Schlafly, the right-wing polarizing organizer. In those episodes, we discussed the historical context and how the show tackled race within the 1970s women's movement and shone the light on second-wave feminists, We reviewed the performances of the stellar cast, not just Kate, but also Uzu Aduba, Rose Byrne, Margot Martindale, Tracy Ullman, and Nisi Nash. Included in the four episodes is an interview I conducted with Bria Simone Henderson, who played activist and former Ms. Magazine editor, Margaret Sloan Hunter. She talks about how she got the role and what she hopes audiences take away from the show and even tells us a Kate Blanchett anecdote. Those episodes are now available wherever you listen to podcasts or at sundayswithkate.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review. Now back to Sundays with Kate and this week's conversation about Elizabeth and the 1998 Oscar race. In 1998, when this movie was released, Kate Blanchett was known as a theater phenom in her native Australia, where she came out of drama school with a performance of Oliana that people just talked about, made her a huge, not a star, but made her just a huge talent that people were talking about. And she did lots of stage work in those years. And then she made three movies before Elizabeth. She made Thank God He Made Lizzie, Oscar and Lucinda, and Paradise Road. But this was her international breakthrough. And... Shaker Kapoor apparently saw the trailer for Oscar and Lucinda and cast her based on that, even mm-hmm. though he was considering other actresses at that time, including Emily Watson, who was also nominated for the Oscar that year. But Kate basically got this role. She got these amazing reviews. Everybody was talking about her. It was sort of predestined that she's going to get the Oscar nomination. The movie came first before some of the other movies that were nominated that year. So she, for a little bit, she was thought of as the front runner, as the person to beat. And then the other women who were nominated that year were, as was every year, Meryl Streep for one true thing. Yeah. Um, which is a performance I actually love. I think Meryl is amazing in it. And Fernanda Montenegro for Central Station. Fernanda Montenegro, um, a Brazilian actress, um, who we've seen last year in the movie Invisible Life. If you've seen that, it's on Amazon right now. 
she's amazing in it. And so she was the critics' favorite. Uh, so she won the bulk of the critics' awards, including the Los Angeles Film Critics. She won at the Berlinale. She came second in at National Society with Kate. And the winner there was Ali Sheedy for High Art. And then Emily Watson for Hillary and Jackie. And we talked about Watson in that she was being considered for Elizabeth. But I think this is more of like an afterglow nomination because for two years after Breaking the Waves, because Hillary and Jackie is a forgotten movie. I haven't seen it. I tried to find clips of Fernanda Montenegro. I've seen I've seen Central Station maybe a long time ago, and I don't remember much of it. But I remember I was very taken with her. It's definitely sort of like the performance is the reason to watch that movie, and it's a great movie. But there are not even clips available. Meryl, I've seen a few clips. I've seen that movie. I love Meryl in it. She plays a cancer. So it's got a lot of the tropes of nominated roles. Like she's a cancer patient. She's dying. She loses her hair. She has a problem with her husband and with her daughter. What are your impressions of Meryl and Ferdinando? I love Fernanda because I'm, my dad's Brazilian. So I have like, I feel like I have to claim her a little bit (laughs) just to kind of support the the country yes i think i'm always kind of a sucker for the actors who win a bunch of the critics awards but just by nature of you know not being famous enough or being from a different country are not going to win it's always sympathetic to that and almost nine times out of ten i'm they're the one i want to win so so of course that makes me very sad i do wish that she'd have had had more of a real shot with that one meryl is Meryl in the Wonder Thing. It's, I mean, that is very clearly a supporting role. So I think that's a little bit just a consequence of her being Meryl Streep. She is wonderful in it. I mean, it's a very sensitive performance. I wouldn't begrudge her a nomination, but I think it's a little in the wrong category, perhaps. Yeah, I do like her in it. I found a very funny tweet. Um, I do not speak Portuguese. The tweet was in Portuguese and it was translated by just Twitter. So if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. But it was somebody who was getting a nugget from an interview that uh, Fernanda Montenegro did, I think, a year ago or two years ago, and they asked her about the Oscar nomination. And she basically, in that interview, said that, of course, I thought I wouldn't win. You know, Meryl Streep was nominated. Kate Blanchett was nominated. Yeah, I had no chance. And she never mentions Gwyneth Paltrow. So... (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow. (laughs) That's amazing. I wonder if she like knows who won or if she just thinks one of them like presumed that one of them won. Yeah, I I don't know, I couldn't tell you. That would be funny if she saw that. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow is the winner and we want to talk about, you know, how she won or why Kate didn't win. You have a fantastic video um on your channel about that year and you talk a lot about the Harvey Weinstein connection. Gwyneth Paltrow was in a Harvey Weinstein movie, not only won Best Actress, but it also won Best Picture in a Shocker. So everybody should go watch that video. Gwyneth is great. I love Shakespeare in Love. I think Gwyneth Paltrow is a good actress. I think she's really good in Shakespeare in Love. It's her best performance. Definitely one of the best movies she's been in. So it's a deserving win, but you know I wouldn't vote for her. But <laughs> as I was thinking about why Kate didn't win, and in your video, you mentioned that a lot of the reviews talked about Audrey Hepburn when mm-hmm. talking about Gwyneth. And that made me think of, you know, oh, yeah, Roman holidays, kind of like a young ingenue in a love story, which is Shakespeare in Love. Um, Cher won for a love story in Moonstrike, even though I think that's like the perfect love story. But those are the type of movies that are rewarded in Best Actress. And Kate was playing a monarch, which is a more male role. Like there are actors who've won for playing statesmen and kings and even dictators. Mm -hmm. From Idi Amin to Winston Churchill. That's like such a best actor part. So do you think that that was one, maybe that was one of the reasons why Blanchett didn't win? It could be for sure. And did did um is that the year that judy dench won for playing yeah judy dench won for playing elizabeth in shakespeare in love yes (laughs) i think that's part of it i think it's honestly just more 
it's easier to absorb for sure Shakespeare and love. I'm trying to think. So the so the question is like would the fact that she's playing like a traditionally more masculine job Mm-hmm. Yes. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, I definitely could see that happening. I think Kate was like a little ahead of her time with this performance, maybe because so many performances in the 90s are similar to Gwyneth Paltrow's role in Shakespeare in Love. Like, that's a well done version of like a ton of 90s movies. And what Kate is doing is I think more similar to what we expect from people now, which is like these kind of like transformative biopicy kind of things. You're like, Oh, she disappeared. Like I didn't even realize that was Kate, you know, (laughs) that's what I want to say now. And I, I think that's what she was doing. So I don't, maybe it's like a timing thing or just what people were like kind of looking for in like what was popular or trendy for actors to do or how to perform in the nineties maybe. But yeah, I could totally see that kind of bias coming through. So when you say it was in the vein of other nineties movies, what movies were you thinking of? Oh man. I just think like of all of the like romantic comedies that were coming out, you know what I mean? Like yes. all of the, like the kind of the, the early like Sandra Bullock movies Mm-hmm. And then, like even Nicole Kidman was in some Julia Roberts. Yeah. 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 Like it wasn't, it wasn't those movies because it wasn't looked down upon in the same way that those movies were, but it was similar. Like it has some similar notes to those movies or like ever after even, <laughs> sort of, you know, looking to the past and like finding these famous things and kind of converting them. So they're a little more like relatable and funny. Yeah, it was a comedy, but it was also a historical comedy. And it's also about Shakespeare. So that's probably why it wasn't looked down upon. And that's why it became an Oscar movie. And that's why Gwyneth won. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good theory. (laughs) Good as any. (laughs) When you look back at that year of Best Actress, we haven't talked about Emily Watson. I'll just say very shortly is that I saw this movie a long time ago. I don't remember anything about it. This is a movie that's completely forgotten. Nobody talks about it. But the one thing that I want to sort of talk about here is that Emily Watson and Kate Blanchett, they were both up for Elizabeth. Kate got it. And Emily Watson is an actor I really love. I love her in Breaking the Waves. Every time she appears, it's just like, even in something like Chernobyl last year, even though she is the same age as Kate Blanchett or Nicole Kidman or even Naomi Watts, all these actresses. She was older. She is? No, she's... I assume she was, yeah. You thought she was old, okay. Yeah, she's the same age as them, but she's she literally could be cast as one of their mothers right now. And that to me is always... Because she, in the theory of everything, she has two scenes as Felicity Jones's mother. And she is as good an actress, an Oscar nominee, as these names we just mentioned. But somehow she is not forgotten exactly, but just doesn't have the same opportunities. And I always think that what if she had gotten Elizabeth, would she have Kate's career? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's definitely a different movie, I think. Cause I don't think you can, the way that they kind of sell Elizabeth in the first or maybe the three fourths of the movie is that she's kind of this like ethereal beauty, right? Is that kind of, is that how you interpreted it? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, she has the long hair and the way she's costumed at the beginning of the movie. It's it's all about how she looks. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. With Watson, it would have been a completely different movie. But Watson would probably has the look for like later Elizabeth. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So, Izzy, let's go back in time. Who are you voting for for Best Actress in 1998? <laughs> Uh, well, if I haven't made it abundantly clear, um, I probably would have voted for Kate. Um, well, actually, I don't know. Oh, see, now I'm kind of questioning myself, like, would I have voted for Fernanda? Maybe. I probably would have voted for Kate, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, as everybody who has listened to just one minute of this podcast, all 22 episodes of them, I'm definitely a Kate voter. <laughs> Always. Yeah. I would have given her all <laughs> seven Oscars for all the nominations. 
Don't blame me. I don't blame you. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the Oscars that year? I mean, the Oscars that year were about Shakespeare in Love versus... It wasn't Shakespeare in Love versus Elizabeth. It was Shakespeare in Love versus Saving Private Ryan. And your video sort of tells us the story of how Shakespeare in Love got that shocker win. Um, mm -hmm. So everybody should go hear that. Uh, what I remember about it is just I loved Whoopi Goldberg coming out as Elizabeth to open the yeah. show. So I remember that. Like... I remember watching that ceremony and seeing her do that. Like, I remember her coming down in Moulin Rouge too. Like yes. when she was on that big thing, she was such a great host. I really liked having her. Yeah. She's my favorite host. I would say bring back Whoopi. Definitely. I think she said she would do it too. Yeah. On the view. But I guess, you know, they're always chasing um, young audiences and Whoopi is not, is not, <laughs> Maybe she'll not bring in the young people, but um, <laughs> she would bring the people who love the Oscars of all ages because she has a history yeah. with the Oscars. Good evening, loyal subjects. I am the African Queen. Some of you may know me as the Virgin Queen, but I can't imagine who. It is my solemn task this evening to welcome you to the 71st Annual Academy Awards Ceremony. A ceremony devoted to rewarding the many, many people this year who played me, or wrote about me, or designed lovely frocks for me. Because, darling, it's all about me. All right, so I'm going to ask you some questions about Kate. You said the first time you saw Kate was in Lord of the Rings. What is your favorite Kate Blanchett performance? I would say it's kind of a tie between Carol and I'm Not There. I appreciate, like, both sides of Kate, where she can do these kind of, like, very traditional not a romance, but just kind of like an Oscar kind of movie. And then, but also she can be so weird. And I yes. love that. Like, I love how, how like deeply she cares about like art and theater and being a little wacky, like in manifesto and mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And I think I'm not there is just like the perfect example of that. She's so magnetic in that movie. I love both those performances. They're both directed by Todd Haynes. Exactly, right? <laughs> he just brings it out. He just is so good. So, Kate, yes, we want to see you with Shaker Kapoor again doing Elizabeth, but also fine. But, Call Todd, maybe, please. Yeah, maybe Elizabeth directed by Todd Haynes. Sure. <laughs> um, the I'm not there version of Elizabeth. Ooh, ooh, maybe. that would be so cool. Yes. He can bring, you know, Glenda Jackson, Helen Mirren, Margot Robbie, whoever played Elizabeth before, and he can throw in maybe a couple more. <laughs> Give us that version. I wish like, Quentin Crisp were still alive. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, that would be so amazing. Absolutely. So Kate is somebody who is considered one of the best actors in the world, the best of her generation. So it's somebody we cannot say is ever underrated. But is there a movie or a performance that you love, but you think maybe people haven't seen? Yeah, I don't know that she, I think it might be impossible for her to be underrated, but like undervalued. I think maybe like, I want to see her have fun more. I know Ocean Day isn't a great movie. Like it's, Kind of, like not great but um but I love that she was just kind of able to be a little bit silly and have fun and especially seeing her kind of on the press tour of that just hanging out with the gals and like just cracking up and like being a little inappropriate sometimes was just so funny and refreshing someone is missing an opportunity to put her in a really good comedy yeah she's I think very funny she's so funny in interviews like Thor maybe is a good example of this like when they just let her be a little champion, it's good. So I, I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Is there somebody in particular you think should direct that? Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> I would just absolutely kill to see her take on one of his scripts. I th Cause he has a very specific like pattern, like cadence to his dialogue. And I would love to see her do that. Yeah. I would love that too. You know, she was supposed to play Lady Sarah, but couldn't do it because of scheduling. 
Oh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> I mean, Rachel Weiss is great. You know, we don't want to undervalue her, but Kate would have been amazing. Ah, uh, wow. I think that'd be almost like too powerful. Like, like um, it would be like too good at that point. It would be too much. We can't take it. Other than Yorgos, is there anybody else you'd see an actor or an actress you you would like to see her work with? Maybe like Viola Davis. That would be again maybe too powerful, but also so good. We deserve it. Yeah, it's a pandemic. We deserve Kate and Viola in a movie. We're, we need the cure, and that is the cure. <laughs> that would be the cure. And one final question. The over, you know, there is an overwhelming sort of answer when I ask my guest this question. So mm-hmm. let's see if you're going to choose. Because the answer is also very obvious, and it's the right answer. But some people have chosen somebody else. Who is your favorite Kate Blanchett scene partner? <laughs> Wait, there's an overwhelming... There is one answer. person almost everybody chooses. Wow. Well, does everyone choose Rooney Mara? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, that makes sense, actually, now that I think about it. Maybe I'll see Sally Hawkins. Oh, for Blue Jasmine. Yeah, that's great. You know, and again, it's always, most people choose another woman. So we had Sandra Bullock, mostly Rooney. We've had Judy Dench. And this is the first Sally Hawkins. So yay, Sally. <laughs> I'll represent the Hawkins Hive. Yes. Um, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on Sundays with Kate. It was very fun to talk to you. Oh, you too. Thank you for having me. This is great. Of course. And before we go, let our listeners know where they can find you and your work. Um, Yes. So if you want to check out my videos, which, as was already mentioned, sometimes include Kate, um, you can find me on YouTube at Be Kind Rewind. And on Twitter at BK Rewind and Instagram, I think BK underscore Rewind. Um, So yeah, I'm there all the time. Thank you, Izzy. And that's our show and season. My thanks to all my guests on this second season of Sundays with Kate. Hope you enjoyed all 14 episodes that we recorded. I will be taking a short break and will return later in the summer. Notes on a Scandal, Carol. We have a few movies we haven't discussed as well as other surprises in store for season three of the show. You can support the show at co-fi.com slash sundayswithkate. That's ko-fi.com slash sundayswithkate. In the meantime, all episodes and show notes are available at sundayswithkate.com or wherever you get podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And until next time, thank you for listening.